Amen. I hope that's your prayer. That's great. Great music today. Thoroughly have enjoyed that. Good morning, Trinity Baptist. This is an exciting day for your church. You know why? This is the only day of the year at church that you can fall asleep and not be in trouble for it. Wow, you guys have put in hours and hours of ministry work, and we just want to congratulate you for that amazing day. And um, it was my first Harvest Fest here in Michigan. We've done a few others in Ohio and Illinois and some other places, but uh, this one is just like the the crown jewel, I'm telling you, and you do a great job. I I, want to talk a little bit. I want to talk about a few things in introduction. So take your Bibles real quickly. This is not our text today, but I want you to see something in Luke chapter 5 that I think would be a real help to you. Uh, I'm thankful for your staff, your pastoral staff. We're thankful for all that they do, the guidance and the direction. I believe I was told that this was the 26th year uh, for that. That is an amazing thing. Uh, And that is a church that hasn't let go of something God has used in a mighty way. And I want to talk to you just a little bit about that. I thank you. uh, I thank the Lord uh, for your pastor, Pastor Ferguson. And uh, Seth was my son's roommate uh, his freshman year, Ben's freshman year. And I really have to tell you honestly... Uh, ben needed a roommate like Seth, and, uh, and I really believe that Seth uh, helped my son in a great way. I will be forever grateful uh, that Ben was in your pastor's room his freshman year. Um, I also am very thankful uh, for your staff, for Pastor Burden, and uh, I just love Pastor Scott. I tell you, you got a jewel there. I really mean that. And I just so appreciate his spirit, his hard work, and all of everything that you guys have done. Um, I wanted to share this with you. Um, Harvest Fest is a method. It's a method. It's a method to reach young people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know we had several saved yesterday. I think we also had many really dedicate their lives uh, for a higher call. And... uh, I cannot tell you, I I suppose maybe other speakers say this, and that's to the credit of the Lord, but the atmosphere that you guys produce. Um, I was really concerned about coming here. Uh, I'm not usually a one-day kind of speaker. Give me a week of camp with a group of teenagers, or, you know, maybe it's my pastor's heart. I got to spend some time with folks. So, you know, I said yes to the Harvest Fest, but I don't think that's my setting. I don't think that's my niche. And uh, I know I'm going to preach three times, but they're really not going to get to know me or whatever. So I have been just really burdened, just really praying, Lord, give me favor. Not favor for popularity, favor for impact, for influence. I want to tell you, church, it was, I I don't want to say this in the wrong way. It was enjoyable preaching yesterday to over a thousand teens their hearts were so tender and there were times underneath that tent you could have heard a pin drop on the hay i mean it was so the kids were just right there and um a matter of fact for size of group that may be the most attentive teenagers i have ever preached to for that size uh, before in my life. And I, I just want to give God the praise and glory for that. I think you guys 
uh, create that atmosphere, and God uses you. You know, I, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, about the Harvest Fest for a moment. You've done it for 26 years. And maybe sometimes you think like, man, should we take a break or should we stop? Whatever. There's so much time in it. Is it impactful? You know, is it worth it? I want you to see something. Jesus is in a house in Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 17. Uh, There's a lot of people in that house. There's Pharisees. and The the house is actually packed. And uh, if you look at verse 18, I, I want you to see something. It says, and behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy. Now, this account is found in Matthew chapter 9, and this account is found in Mark chapter 2. But in the Luke passage, there is something said that is not said in either one of the two accounts. So listen to the next statement, because this is what I want Trinity to get a hold of here. Which was taken with a palsy and... Everyone together, if you have your Bibles open to Luke 5.18, would you say with me out loud the next three words? They sought means. They sought means. Okay, so they had to figure out a method to get their friend to Jesus. Because what, what does it say, the rest of the verse? They sought means to bring him, their friend, in and to lay him before him. Okay, so the whole goal is to get their friend to Jesus, but they got an obstacle. The obstacle is the room, the house is full. They end up tearing off the tiles of the house in order to get this guy to Jesus. They said, man, we got to figure out a way. We got one chance. We got to figure out a way to get this guy who is ill, that, that can't walk, we got to get them to Jesus some way. So they thought and they sought a means. Now, the Harvest Fest is a means. It's a method. It doesn't mean that that method will work forever and ever. But I want you to know something, Trinity Baptist. If you ever do decide to stop Harvest Fest, And you ever say, you know what, we've been doing this for 34 years now. Maybe we need to rest it. Well, think about this, though. The whole goal is to get people to Jesus. When Trinity can find a better way in the state of Michigan to get people to Jesus than Harvest Fest, go at it. But if you can't, I want you to know God is using Harvest Fest as an incredible means right now. That there were young people there that you couldn't get them under the sound of the gospel any other way but, but through Harvest Fest. And all those games that you manned, you say, are they really important? They are, absolutely. You know, I said something under the tent yesterday. I said, you know what? I don't care what reason you came to Harvest Fest. I just want to make sure you leave with the right answer. You know what? And, and it, I don't care if they came to, to ride tricycles or to play in a dodgeball tournament or play in a volleyball tournament. I have no problem with that at all. But when they leave, that they left with Jesus. And uh, I just want to thank you. Because right now, and I do, we do a lot of conferences at West Coast. We do a lot of things. To go anywhere, to see over a thousand teenagers come to anything to be able to give the gospel to is absolutely amazing. So it is a means. It's a method. 
But I am telling you, church, God is blessing that method right now. And God bless their method. By the way, there's one other little thing in this passage that is so cool to see. Look down at verse 20. So Jesus heals this guy. Why did Jesus heal him? Look at verse 20. And I'm going I'm to ask you to shout out one word. Okay, here we go. And when he, that would be Jesus, and when he saw everyone in this room together, what's the next word? There. Their faith. Isn't that interesting? It did not see when he saw his faith. Oh, this guy in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, you know, in the stretcher, you know, they saw, Jesus saw it. No, no, no. It's not when Jesus saw his face, faith. It's when Jesus saw everyone together, their faith. Let me tell you why Harvest Fest works. Pastor Ferguson's faith. No. Pastor Scott, no. Their faith. Trinity Baptist. God saw your faith yesterday, and God blessed because of that. I just want to thank you for that. Uh, Take your Bibles and turn to our text now to the most emotional moment of the Old Testament. You know where that is? Uh, Abraham offering Isaac. Ooh, that was pretty emotional. Just before they shout at Jericho. Ooh, that had to be pretty cool. At the Red Sea where Moses, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I preached that last time I was here. So, go to the most emotional moment. Now, by the way, I didn't say necessarily dramatic or powerful, but the most emotional moment of the Old Testament, take your Bibles and turn to Genesis 45. Genesis 45. I thought you guys needed something to keep you awake today, so I thought I would keep you emotionally charged today in Genesis 45. While you're turning, let me share a couple things with you. I have the great honor and privilege to be a part of also a great church that I think God has seen our faith, Lancaster Baptist Church. And I bring greetings to you uh, from my pastor, uh, Pastor Paul Chapel. And uh, I pastored for 25 years, thought I would pastor all my life. Before that, I was a youth pastor, thought I would pastor all of my life. If you cut me open, I bleed pastor. But uh, about six years ago, God called me out of the pastorate to train the next generation of young people. Uh, When I was here in May on Mother's Day, you probably don't remember, but Marilee and I were here uh, with you on Mother's Day. I said something, I still believe it's true. I cannot think of a better place to train a college student for ministry than the state of California. I think they're all, they, they come to the California, they're on a mission field. And I also said something back in May that I think is important to repeat, and that is this. I believe that California is more open than a lot of people think. In the darker the night, the brighter the light. And I will tell you right now, we see our young people. Next week is our open house. We're expecting close to 10,000 people in our church next Sunday. That's our big harvest fest, is our, uh, our open house Sunday. And it is amazing how many people will come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Let me encourage you to not only pray for West Coast Baptist College, but encourage your young people, to go to Bible college, to go to Christian college, to take a step of faith to see what God can do. Uh, I think that's so important. 
uh, that you do. By the way, we have a couple with us that I'd like to introduce to you. Uh, first of all, we have, by the way, another thing that Harvest Fest does, these are little side things that you guys probably would never even think of. Almost every Bible college in America was on your property yesterday, was out at that property yesterday, because they're trying to recruit students to further the work uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there were a lot of colleges there. Uh, we have two represented today, obviously West Coast, but also it's New, it's New England Baptist College, right? New England Baptist College. Devin is with Devin. Stand up for just a minute. Devin's here. He'll be back by the table. If you have any questions about what in the world is New England Baptist College, well, Devin will tell you. And then I'm thrilled to travel with one of our students, uh, Matt Dumper. He's also one of our dorm soups. Matt, stand up. Matt has not graduated yet. Uh, he's in his senior year, and he was a great representative for us yesterday, and he'll be back at the table afterwards uh, as well. Matt's a good guy. He's one of our dorm soups, and, and, I, and I get the privilege of training our dorm soups, and, and I really praise the Lord for his spirit and his testimony. You're in Genesis chapter 45. Let me tell you about this emotional moment. Brother Shelley, that was pretty sensational. The most emotional moment of the Old Testament. Yeah, I think this is it. This is the passage of Scripture that Jacob... Now, Jacob's quite an interesting guy, is he not? I don't know if you've ever studied the life of Jacob before, but boy, Jacob has just got all these spiritual highs and and deep lows in his life. He's either revived and living for God, he sees God, he's wrestling with God, or he's running because of something that he's done. Uh, There's three R's that represent the life of Jacob. You remember these three R's, you got the life of Jacob. Number one, you reap what you sow. There is no example in the entire Bible that is better of the law of the harvest than Jacob. You reap what you sow, you reap later than you sow, and you reap more than you sow. Well, Jacob sowed lies with his dad, Isaac. He is going to reap lies later on. He is going to reap more lies, way more than he had ever thought that he would reap. And wow, he is a perfect example of reaping and sowing. Number two is revival. This guy is one of the greatest illustrations in the Bible of somebody who has revival. Matter of fact, The very first time revival is ever mentioned in the Bible, it's right here, Genesis 45. We're going to see it in just a moment. First time the word revival is mentioned in the entire Bible is with Jacob. And whether he goes to Bethel, El Bethel, he comes back, has revival, Penel. Wherever Jacob meets God, there's like a revival. Third R, reap what you sow, reap. Man, that's Jacob. Revival, that's Jacob. And the third R is Rachel. In order to understand the life of Jacob, you've got to understand his relationship with Rachel. Because Rachel was the love of his life. Now, now he worked for Rachel for seven years from Rachel's father named Laban. And he, now Rachel had an older sister named Leah, which apparently did not look as good as Rachel. And so Jacob was willing to to work seven years to get Rachel, only to find out on his wedding night, he didn't get Rachel, he got Leah. Where he worked again another seven years 
for Rachel. And so for 14 years, I mean, this is the love of this man's life. You cannot understand Jacob's life if you do not understand his love and his relationship to Rachel. So now he's got these two wives, okay, which is going to be a problem. And sure enough, it was. Leah starts having all these kids. Rachel doesn't have any children. Well, Rachel is all upset at Jacob. Like, I don't know what, you know, like, I don't know how, you know, how it's Jacob's fault. But, you know, there's jealousy. There's all kinds of things going on. He has, then they put some handmaids in there to try to get some more kids. Well, that surely doesn't work. You have this dysfunctional, very jealous family going on. And then Rachel finally has a child. That child is Joseph. And so Rachel finally delivers a child. It's Joseph. But then, after that, Rachel delivers another child. His name is Benjamin, Benjamin, son of my right hand. But in the birth of Benjamin, Rachel dies. Whoa, this has just been a tough thing for Jacob. So he finally... Waited 14 years to finally marry Rachel. And then Rachel doesn't have any kids. Then Rachel finally has Joseph. Then he has, then she has Benjamin, and then she dies. So the only connection, the only connection that Jacob has with Rachel now are Joseph and Benjamin. So yeah, they were the favored kids because they were the Rachel children. So, and boy, the rest of the boys really struggled with all of that and everything like that. Well, the boys were so jealous, you may know the story, they take Joseph, throw him in a pit, sell him to the Midianites, and send him off to Egypt as a slave, hopefully thinking they will never see him again and he'll die as a slave, only to come back to tell their dad, hey, dad, we found this coat and it's got a lot of blood on it. Does that coat look from, oh, well, that's Joseph's coat. Joseph must have surely been killed. By wild animals. I sent him out looking for you guys. And he must have gotten killed. Well, the boys, again, are lying to him. But you know what? He's reaping what he sowed. He's reaping more than he sowed. And he's reaping later than he sowed. He lied to his dad. Now his boys are lying to him. So anyways, he thinks Joseph's gone. Gang, that means all he's got now connected to Rachel, the love of his life, is Benjamin. That's all he's got left. In Genesis 45... uh, uh, Jacob is waiting in a tent to hear news because there's been a famine and the boys had to go to Egypt to get food. And this guy there in Egypt, which happens to be Joseph, the second most powerful person in the world, is now giving up the food, but they don't know that it's their brother Joseph. Joseph knows it's his brothers. And Jacob is waiting in a tent to hear the news on whether or not Benjamin's going to come. He's lost Rachel. He thinks he's lost Joseph. So all he's got left is Benjamin. The boys have to go get food so they all don't starve to death, the family. And in Genesis 45, we come. You say, Brother Shetler, do you know that this is missions month? (laughs) I do. And do you know that this is the last day of Missions Month? I do, I do. So before we read this passage, I want to share something with you, Trinity Baptists, about missions. Missions is not about a cause. And missions is not about religion. Missions 
is about a relationship and a person. What is the whole purpose of missions? To get the person of Jesus Christ to the world. We're going to see a passage of scripture that is a photograph, a picture of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, when you see this, this is one of the coolest passages in the entire Bible to picture Joseph as Jesus Christ. And I want you to see on your last Sunday, the whole purpose of missions is to get Jesus Christ into the world. Our goal is not our philosophy. We, we got to get Christian thinking in the world. No, no. We got to get Jesus Christ in the world. The whole key to missions is not a movement or a religion. We're not sending missionaries out to build the Christian religion. We're pulling missionaries out for people around the world to have a relationship with a person, Jesus Christ. So we got to make sure that we got the right person. Because you know what? You don't give to a cause. You don't give to a religion. Well, we give, we give to missionaries. No, actually, you give to Jesus Christ. And as you give to Jesus Christ, it is for the propagating of the gospel, which is a relationship with God. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Our belief is centered around a person. So before you give for missions, you better remember the person you're giving to. Are you guys ready? Here we go. Put your safety belts on. What a passage. We'll pick it up in verse 24 of Genesis 45. So he sent his brethren away, and they departed. That's Joseph sent his brothers away. He's revealed himself to the brothers now. The brothers know this is amazing. Joseph is alive, and Joseph is the second most powerful person in all the world. And he said unto them, by the way, this is a great verse for a commissioning service for a missionary. See that ye fall not out by the way. By the way, he knew his brothers. And he said, make sure you finish the job that you're sent out to do. Verse 25. And they went up out of Egypt, and they came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father. Now here's what I believe. I know it's just, you know, my opinion. I think this is the most emotional moment in the entire Old Testament. Verse 26, and told him, they come back to dad. So Jacob is just like, oh man, what's going to happen? What is Benjamin with him? All he's hoping for is Benjamin. And told him saying, Joseph is yet alive. And he is governor over all of the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted. For he believed them not. No, no, what are you telling me? No, 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 no. No, what are you saying? Dad, Joseph is living and he's the Lord over everything. Look at verse 27. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons, wait till we get there, which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of, now you got to help me everyone, the spirit of who? The spirit of? Jacob, everyone together here, their father, here it is, first time in the entire Bible it's mentioned, everyone together, revived, revived. Look at the next verse. 
Jacob's heart revived and everyone together. What's the next word? And. Woo. And who? Israel. Who's that? That's a revived Jacob is who that is. You see, Jacob has two names. He has a fleshly name named Jacob, deceiver. And he has a spiritual name, prince with God, Israel. Israel is his spiritual name. Jacob is his fleshly name. Notice what happens here when he found out that Joseph was alive. He went from Jacob to Israel. Guys, he had a revival. Trinity Baptist, when he realized that his son was alive, here he was in his flesh as Jacob, but when he recognized the fact that Joseph was alive, he had a revival and his name changes to Israel. Father, I pray that you be with us today as we look at this story and as we see one of the most incredible moments of the entire Old Testament. Father, may this church experience revival in Jesus Christ. Thanks for things like the Harvest Fest. Thanks for all of those things. But Lord, missions is getting a risen Savior to the world. Father, may we see who this is all about today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's children said, So I'm doing a series on Joseph about 15 years ago. I'm doing a series on Joseph, and, and I've come kind of getting close to the end of the series. And I'm up in my office, and I've come to this passage. And all through the series, you see, boy, Joseph is such a great picture of Jesus. Joseph is such a good picture of Jesus. And all the things rejected by his brethren, takes an Egyptian bride, Jesus takes a, a, a Gentile bride. And just all these things are just like, wow, amazing. But then I came to chapter 45, and gang. What a moment I had in my office. I'm looking at this. And you know, when I read the scriptures, I kind of try to act it out. You know, I'm just kind of like, hey, what's going on here, you know? And here's how I picture this. So we got this old man, and this guy's old. We got this old Jacob, and he's just, you know, he's just going back and forth in the tent, going, oh, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, please just bring me Benjamin. Allow my Rachel's son, Benjamin. I, I lost Rachel. And I lost Joseph. Oh, God, please allow Benjamin to come back. And, you know, he's just pronouncing every day. You know, he's just, oh, man. Finally, one of his servants come running in the tent. Yaakov! Yaakov, Jacob! Yaakov! They're coming! They're coming back! Oh, oh God. Please, Benjamin. Please, Benjamin. Do you see Benjamin? Can't tell, but there's wagons coming. Lots of wagons. Your boys are coming. Oh, oh God, please, may Benjamin come back. And then I believe the first guy who runs in the tent is Reuben. I think Reuben comes running in. I think Reuben is, he's the oldest. And he was not a good elder brother at all. But he comes running back in, and I think he's the first one in, and he comes running in, and he says, Abba, Abba, you're not going to believe it. Tell me, tell me, is Benjamin okay? Is Benjamin, oh yeah, Dad, Dad, Benjamin's with us. Dad, you're not going to believe this. What? 
is alive. What? Well, what? Dad, Joseph is living. Oh, no. No, no, he's not living here. Here's his coat. It's got the blood. It, it's wild. Hey, Dad, we'll tell you about that later. But, Dad, let me just tell you. Dad, Dad, Joseph is living. Now, I want to tell you something. I think the only passage of Scripture that tops that is early on a Sunday morning where a woman comes to the garden. She had noticed that the garden, that the tomb had been opened. So she came back later by herself to see what had happened. She stoops inside. She sees the linen cloth. And she hears a voice. She thinks it's the gardener. And she says, where did you place him? And I think the only thing that matches what you just read she hears a voice, and it says, Mary, Mary. And she turns around and realizes that the Yeshua HaMashiach has risen from the dead. I'm telling you something. Jacob in that tent that day to realize who he knew Joseph was dead is now living. Trinity Baptist Church Did you watch any of the proceedings this past week? Whoa, what a mess. Brother Scheller, our country is falling apart. It is. But we have a living Savior. Gang, we have a risen Savior. He came out of that tomb and he is alive. And I'm going to tell you something. If he can rise from the dead, he can handle your problem. If he is the God of the resurrection of the dead, he can handle your problem. Is Pastor Burden in here? Where's Pastor Burden? Pastor Burden, come on up here, bub. I need you, man. I need you. Yeah. No, you know what? Leave your jacket off. Leave your jacket off. I need you, man. Hey, I, got a, I got a little something for you here, man. Put it in your strong arm there. Put it in your strong hand. Now, that's 45 pounds. That's 45 pounds. I'm going to ask you to put that. Oh, yeah, I think we got this. <laughs> Tell you this in front of this many people, I know we got this, okay? Okay, so, so Pastor, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to lift that up in one move right over your head, okay? It's got 45 pounds there, man. Think you can do it? I think so. Okay. Well, I want it. what I'm interested in is what they think. How many of you think that Pastor in one jerk can put that 45-pound weight over their head? How many people believe that? Wow! You got them, man, you got them believing, man. Okay, so let's do a little countdown. Three, two, one, go! Whoa! Man, you're the man! But we're not done yet. (laughs) No, 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 no. We're not done yet. Now we're talking the real stuff, man. Now we're talking the real stuff. Here you go, man. How many people believe, this is, this is uh, I think that's three pounds, five pounds? Three pounds, three pounds. How many people believe he can take three pounds and put it over his head? How many people believe that? I'm not sure as many. <laughs> I'm not sure there was as many there, okay? 
Well, I believe you can. Okay, let's give it a shot. Three, two, one. Whoa! Give that man a hand! Do it again! Look at that! Amen! (laughs) Thank you, Pastor. You say, Brother Shetler, that was the stupidest illustration. (laughs) Brother Shetler, if he can lift 45 pounds, he can lift three pounds. Yeah. And if Jesus could rise from the dead, he can handle your problem. Because you are never going to have anything in your life that's greater than Christ rising from the dead. Folks, if he conquered death, he could conquer your prayer request. How many times have we forgotten we serve a risen Savior? As you come in, you think, Brother Scheller, is mission still worth it? Yeah, it's still worth it. We have a risen Savior out there. We have a risen Savior to give to the world. Friend, I don't know what you're going through in your life, but I want you to know He is alive. And He is living. And your faith is not in vain. There is an empty tomb. And Christ is alive. And no matter what you got going through your life, if Christ can rise from the dead, Christ can take care of your request. Now, so I'm up in my office, and I'm just, I'm thinking to myself, this is too cool. I got Reuben coming in, you know, and he just said, man, Dad, you're not going to believe this. He's living. He's living. And Joseph is just like, or, or Jacob's just like, this can't be happening. Then I believe Simeon comes in. Now, Simeon is the guy who had to stay in prison while the other brothers came back. They kind of held him as hostage over there in Egypt. So Simeon, he's really glad that he's been free. So I think Simeon's the next guy that comes in. And I think Simeon comes in the tent and he says, Dad, you're not going to believe it. Oh, I know. I know. I just heard. I just heard. Joseph. Joseph is living. Hey, Dad, I want to tell you something. Not only is Joseph living, but he's the Lord. He's the Lord over everything. Dad, everyone bows down to him. Dad, he's the man. I mean, you go to Egypt, it's Zephaphania and Pharaoh. I'm telling you, Dad, not only is your son living, your son is Lord. Now, I will tell you, I was at a teacher's convention in Pennsylvania this past week, and I had a little break between workshops, and I went up. And it was really an amazing thing. Almost to the minute that I got in my room, I had about an hour. Almost to the minute, I just had to get my legs up. My knees have been really bothering me. And I just needed to rest before my next workshop. And I turned on the TV. It was almost to the minute that Kavanaugh walked in and did his thing. I don't know if you saw that or not. That was absolutely unbelievable. I sat there and first of all thought, God, I'm 61 years old. What in the world has happened to our country? What in the world is going on in America? In my lifetime, I have never, and we went through the, man, I grew up in Detroit. I went right through the riots in the late 60s. But I'm going to tell you something. I have never seen our country the way it is right now. And I sat in that bed and I cried. I had tears coming down my eyes, and I said, God. But you know what the Lord showed me? Jim, I am still Lord. I am still in control. You have a living Savior, and you have a Lord. And I want you to know, ain't nothing happening, excuse the English, 
Ain't nothing happening in this country that it doesn't go through the God of gods. Jesus Christ is Lord. And I will also tell you this, that there's coming a day that every person is going to bow their knees and claim him as Lord of all. And I want to share this with you, friend. I know sometimes you can get discouraged in your life and you just think, God, what in the world's going on? Know this, he's living. And know this, my friend, he is Lord. And he is Lord over all. Now it gets really good. So I'm up in my office and I'm writing this down. I'm going like, whoa, this is good stuff. And it says it right there. He was living. And then it says he's governor. And then it says he, they told him the words that Joseph said. Well, what are the words? You'd have to go back into Genesis to find out what those words are. But I think the next guy who comes in, and I'll tell you what those words are in a minute. I think the next guy who comes in is Judah. Now, Judah's the really bad guy, man. Now, it's going to be out of Judah that Jesus is going to come. And Judah's name means praise. But Judah comes in because Judah's the guy who sold Joseph to slavery. Judah's the guy who was the bad guy in the whole thing that convinced the other brothers. Reuben wasn't even there right then when it happened. And Judah is the guy that says, hey, we better get something for this Joseph guy. Let's sell him and get at least 30 pieces of silver for the deal. Judah's the bad guy of all the brothers. Now, Judah is also the one that promises dad, dad, I promise you that Benjamin will come back or I won't come back, which he's starting to, he's starting to feel guilty in his conscience. So I think Judah's the next guy who comes in. And I think Judah comes over to his dad. And he says, dad, I, this is such an emotional moment. Dad, you're not going to believe this. Oh, Judah, come here. Come here, Judah. Judah, I know. I heard. Dad, you're not going to believe this. I heard. I heard. Joseph, he's living. Yeah, Dad, let me tell you something. Not only is he living. I know. Simeon told me. He's like the Lord. He's like the governor. He's like over everything. Yeah, Dad, he is. But Dad, not only is he living. Dad, not only is he Lord. Dad, he loves us. Daddy loves us. In spite of what we did to him, in spite of what we did, Dad, he wants a relationship with us, and he loves us. Oh, my friend, let me share this with you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God still loves you, man. God still wants to come to you. There is still in his heart a relationship with every one of you. For God so loved the world. Brother Shuttler, were you nervous yesterday getting up in front of, you know, 1,200, 1,100, whatever it was, over 1,000 teenagers? Were you still scared? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, like, like, how do you overcome your fear? With love. Bible says, perfect love casteth out fear. I'm sitting on that seat before I get up, and I say, God, I love my message today. I got a good one. I got a good one, Lord. I really love the message. Lord. I love you. God, I do. I'm here because I love you. Lord, I love these kids. I don't know their names, but I'm burdened for these kids. But the biggest thing that gripped my heart was, God just kind of said, Jim, I love these people. I love everyone. You got to get up there and you got to let them have it because I love them. And I want to tell you something. What is missions all about? It's about love. It's about the love that you have for Jesus. Why are you giving? Well, 
We're going to try to reach that $100,000 mark here at Trinity Baptist. You know, we give over $100,000 for a church our size. Man, we, we do pretty good. Hey, man, you know what? Keep it in your pocket. Keep it in your pocket. But if you say, God, I desire for the world to know the love that I've experienced with Christ, then man, give and give cheerfully and give the amount that you desire to give to, to that. Don't, don't get, well, last year, honey, let's look at our checkbook here. Last year we gave this. Maybe we give about $5 more a month this year. Just keep it, man. Just keep it. It isn't like God's going, oh, man, what's Trinity going to do? Because the whole mission depends on Trinity. No, it doesn't. You give because you love God. You give because you want to give to a God who loves you. Hey, I'm going to tell you, what a moment that had to be when Judah came in and said, Dad, in spite of what we did to him, he still loves us. And let me tell you, friend, in spite of your life, God still loves you. And I am awed that God would love me. What a moment that had to be. But I don't think it's over yet. I think Levi comes in. Now, I picture Levi as kind of a portly guy. He's kind of the priestly tribe, so I'm figuring he's eating a lot of fried chicken, okay? So I got Levi coming in, and he's just a big guy. And he's going, hey, hey, Dad. Oh, Levi, yes, I know, I know, Levi, I know, I know. Hey, Dad, you ain't going to believe this, Dad. Oh, no, I, I, I heard, I heard, Levi. Hold it off, Levi, hold it. No, Dad, let me tell you. Yeah, I, I know Joseph is living. Oh, Dad, not only is he living, oh, no, no, I, I heard, Levi, that he's Lord over all. Hey, Dad, not only is he Lord, yes, 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 I heard. And he loves us, Levi. He loves us. Hey, Dad, not only is he living, not only is he Lord, not only does he love us, Dad, he's longing for us to come over with him. He's longing for us. He's preparing a place for us in Goshen land. He's longing for us. He's waiting for us, Dad. Dad, he says, we got to go to him. He's got a place prepared for us. Well, I can't think of anything that reminds me of that except for in an upper room the night before Jesus dies. And he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now listen. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. What a moment that had to be. Joseph was preparing a land for his brethren to live in. Well, folks, can I tell you, this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. We're just pilgrims. We're strangers God is preparing a place for you. And you know what? Because of that, let's get an eternal perspective of missions here. This isn't about right now. Gang, you can't take anything with you. He's preparing a place for you. Give while you got it, man. Give while you know where it's going. Now is the time. Man, what a moment that had to be. Brother Scheller, where are you getting all this? Well, wait till you see the last one. So I think finally, Benjamin comes into the tent. Brother Shelley, I got a question for you. Isn't Benjamin the youngest? Oh, yeah, by far. Well, wouldn't Benjamin have been the first boy into your little story, into your little tent? No, no way. You know why? He's got too many clothes on. He's got so many garments on, and he's got so much gold and silver all over him. 
I mean, he's coming in. Because if you go back to Genesis, Joseph gave Benjamin seven times more than he gave to all the other brothers. So Joseph, so Benjamin's got all this stuff on. So I don't think he was the first guy in. I think Benjamin comes into that tent. And what a moment that had to be. I'm telling you, I think this is the most emotional moment of the Old Testament. Jacob, by the way, if you still don't agree with that, listen to what happens. Look at the, did you read the rest of the verses? Look at, uh, look at the very end. And look at verse 28. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph is my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Do you know what is it, it is enough is? Stop it. I can't handle anymore. Now, I've had days in my life, Pastor Scott, that I've had a lot of bad news. And I'm going like, I'm not answering that, man. I've had one bad thing after another. I'm not answering. That's enough. I don't want to hear any more bad news. But I have never had a day in my life that it's been so good. Hey, are you going to tell me good news? Because if you are, I don't want to hear it. I've never had one of those days, okay? I've never had a day where I just said, no, no, no more good news. If you're going to tell me good news, I can't handle it, okay? I've never had that day. Jacob did. Jacob says, stop it. I can't handle anything else. I'm going to die. I'm going to have a heart attack right here in this tent if you guys tell me any more good news. But I think Benjamin walks in, and he probably looks like a snowman, you know? And he kind of, he, he's walking in like this, and he says, Dad, you're not going to believe it. Jacob gets up. And he says, oh, Benjamin. Remember, now all he wanted to do was see Benjamin because it's all tied to Rachel. Oh, Benjamin. Oh, Benjamin. Your brother. I heard. Your brother is living. Oh, Dad. Way more than that. I know, I heard. Your brother. Your brother is Lord. Oh, Dad. Way more than that. I know, I heard. He loves us. He loves Oh, Dad, I know that. Oh, I heard, I heard. He, he's longing for us to come over. Oh, Dad, yeah, 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 yeah. But not only is he living, not only is he Lord. Dad, not only is he longing for us. Oh, Dad, not only does he love us. Dad, he's loaded. Dad, he's loaded. My brother is loaded. My brother owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You won't believe it, Dad. My brother is the richest man in the world. He's got it all. Trinity Baptist, can I tell you, Jesus is loaded. And when you go and pray to him for your missionaries, when you go and pray to him in your life, you know this. He is loaded. He can answer your request. He he rose from the dead. He can handle your little prayer request. Hey, I want to tell you folks, I think this is the coolest moment of the Old Testament. I think, and what happens next? It's no longer Jacob. Everyone, you learned something today. Don't call me Jacob. Call me Israel. Because my heart is revived because of who Jesus is. And gang... You see all those countries, all those flags? They all represent countries that have a need. And the greatest need that every one of those countries has is the need of Jesus Christ. What we got to do is we got to get Jesus to them. There were over a thousand students there yesterday, a thousand kids, teenagers on that property. Wow. Let me tell you something all those kids need Jesus. They need Christ. Keep it up, Trinity Baptist. Keep it up with missions. And remember, 
Not what you're doing. Remember who you're doing it for. Because it's all about Jesus Christ. He's living. He's Lord. Man, he loves you guys. He is longing to spend an eternity with you in heaven one day. And don't ever forget, your Savior is loaded. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father, I thank you for a body of